Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast, episode 40 on Ocean Gate, the submarine sinking, water deities, and black indigenous spirituality. Hope you enjoy. What's good? What's good? It is your girl, Keyonce, back with another episode. And I had to get on here and do an urgent episode. <clears throat> I had to get on here and really talk about some things because um, it's a lot going on. And so I really wanted to get on here and dive into um, this Ocean Gate Um submarine sinking and I wanted to talk about it in the context of um water and the battle of water that is going to be taking precedence for um for a lot of Pluto in Aquarius and it's interesting because it makes me think of um Aquarius being the um water bearer but definitely next year In the U.S., we have the presidential election. Definitely, I hope that is something that people are talking about. I think it's something people are kind of keeping on the low. But we need to talk about these things. So today's episode is going to be about Ocean Gate. And I'm going to talk about some things that came out about that, specifically how it relates to um, colonization, and problematic aspects of colonization uh, when we think about the real reason for um, Ocean Gate's existence. So we're going to we're going to dive into that and then we're going to talk about um, Olokun um, because definitely this is this has been a, a topic that a lot of spiritualists have been talking about um, in relation to the fact that um a lot of what well this the sinking centered around um, exploring parts of the ocean that are very difficult to explore, um, and they were exploring in the name of oil to you know they were gonna upset the ecosystem. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into all that. We're gonna t- you know with Ifa Hoodoo, with indigenous spirituality, we always connect. Um, events to greater, um, greater, I guess, understandings of politics, of um, spirituality, our place in the world. Um, but first, I want to have, um, I want to make some announcements. I want to um, make some church announcements. Handaria Shoba Ishaba Isha. Okay. <clears throat> Please take time to share this episode and please take time to share episodes that you've enjoyed. Um, I am definitely always looking to connect with other people who might want to collaborate. Also, if you live in the Atlanta area um, or, you know, digitally, I'm here to collaborate. I love doing speaking events. I love doing workshops. Um so yeah, that's kind of been, been the theme. I've been kind of away doing a lot of collaborations, trying to make, trying to sustain and build relationships in real life. Um, 
because I do, I have some feelings about social media, like Instagram. Um, Instagram has just kind of really made me mad because they stopped paying creators and then they got all this money for the blue checks. And it's like, so you want me to pay to be on Instagram? And like, that's not even my like main source of income. <laughs> ah, <laughs> no, thank you. So <clears throat> I'm encouraging people to join my mailing list. The link is going to be in the bio. Join my mailing list. I'm going to be sending out different kinds of emails. I'll be sending, I send out readings. I send out announcements about different content. I send out just different, just different things that are happening in the spiritual world. Um, in astrology, I send out different tips, but that is where I'm really focusing my attention is my mailing list and make sure that when you subscribe, make sure that you, um, add me to your important contacts so that, my emails don't go directly to spam. Um, but definitely that is where I'm going to be really delivering more content, to be honest, because um, the Instagram algorithm is fucked completely. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of looking for other ways to engage, other ways that are easy for me. Um, and that make it easy for me to connect with people who are interested in the content because um, I know there's some different apps that are coming about, but I'm just trying to make it so that Millennial Soul Food is sustainable um, through these times, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, get access to an exclusive wealth of knowledge and valuable content. Um, through my mailing list. So go to my website, millennialsoulfood.biz. That's M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L-S-O-U-L-F-O-O-D.biz. Okay, so let's dive in. Let's get into some things about this story here about the Ocean Gate submarine. And let's get into understanding more about the peoples that was on that submarine. First off, I just want to say condolences to the family. Um, I, I definitely, we are not making light of these deaths, but we are looking at this with a critical lens because for one, we had already found out, we already know that for a week, it was a whole charade because they already knew that these people had died. They already knew they heard the wreckage. But then we had all these people off the coast. I think it was off the coast of Italy and Greece who died over like, I think over 300 immigrants died coming from Libya. Um, but it's like, why was all of our attention on this and why didn't we find out that these people had already died like five days um before before we thought initially so um the submarine 
did look kind of faulty. It was owned by Ocean Gate, which is a private company. So this is basically a private company that funds underwater exploration. And these were five billionaires um, or by association, because one of them was 19 years old. Um, and these were people who were going down to the Titanic um, to look at the Titanic debris. Um, and let's go through and kind of look at who these people were first off. Um, let's see, like, what, 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 what's the story behind these peoples? Um, so this is first Hamish Harding, chairman of Action Aviation. Harding was the chairman of a company called Action Aviation, which sells aircraft to Fortune 100 companies, international corporations, heads of state, and people in the entertainment and sports industries, according to its website. Um, Shazada Daywood, who was 48, was the ch vice chairman of Dawood Hercules, an investment and holding company based in Karachi, Pakistan. Dawood Hercules is part of the Dawood Group, a family business for more than a century, according to his bio at the SETI Institute, where he also served on the board. Dawood was heir to one of Pakistan's largest family fortunes, according to the New York Times. Sulman Dawood, um, his son of Shazada, was 19 years old, according to the UK's Daily Mail. Apparently, allegedly, he did not want to go on this trip, but he was convinced. And I mean, I mean, I guess his dad just wanted him to really be on the trip to see the Titanic debris. And so, unfortunately, he was a part of the people that um, passed away. But he um, was a science fiction fan and also enjoyed solving Rubik's Cubes and playing volleyball, according to DH Group and Ingro Corporation, part of the Dawood Hercules Group. Stockton Rush, CEO of Ocean Gate Rush. Now, the CEO done died. The CEO of the company running the expedition was also the sub's pilot. And mind you, they were playing, they were piloting this with what looked like a PlayStation controller, which just, I don't know. And apparently they had already um, gone over the limit for uh, the number of times they were supposed to be going down there anyway in that in that kind of um, submarine craft. So Paul Henry Nagiolet, Titanic's greater, greatest explorer, Nagiole was known as a Titanic expert, according to the Ocean Gate website. He led six expeditions to the ship's wreckage site and was known as Titanic's greatest explorer. So this had happened. They had gone down there a whole lot, but something about this one mission was dangerous. It was dangerous. Um, so here's more information about... The timeline, sensors operated by the Navy detected the likely implosion of the, of the Titan submersible hours before the U.S. Coast Guard publicly shared that it had gone missing. A revelation that means a five-day search that sparked round-the-clock media coverage may have been futile from the start. This is from NPR. Um, the Navy detected 
quote unquote, an anomaly consistent with an implosion or explosion, quote, end quote, in acoustic data taken from the same area where the Titan went missing, a senior Navy official told NPR in a written statement. Y'all, y'all like my news anchor um, <laughs> voice. A second official confirmed to NPR that it had registered that acoustic data on Sunday. So this is the implosion. While not definitive, this information was immediately shared with the incident commander to assist with the ongoing search and rescue mission. So this is hours before they even started. They had already heard an implosion. Um, Decision was made to continue Okay, so this is uh, one of the people. The decision was made to continue our mission as a search and rescue and make every effort to save the lives on board, even though they was already dead. And um, it was midday Monday that the Coast Guard first tweeted that it was searching for the Titan. This is one day counting after they had heard the implosion. implosion. The 22-foot-long Titanic touring vessel was carrying four tourists and a pilot when it lost communication with its control ship less than two hours into its dive on Sunday, roughly 900 miles off the coast of Cape Cod. So the massive search operation involved international ships, surveillance aircraft, and undersea drones. Officials and experts from the Unified Command consistently told reporters that the Titan's passengers may be subsisting on emergency oxygen supplies. When asked as late as Thursday morning whether he had hope for rescuing the sub's passengers, mind you, Thursday, that's from Sunday to Monday, one day, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's four days that they've been gone. Um, when asked as late as Thursday morning whether he had, had hope for rescuing the sub's passengers, U.S. Coast Guard Rear Admiral John Mauger said that people's will to survive must be considered in complex search operations. And I will, the way that implosions happen is if there is, I watched a video actually about, it was like an animated video. It wasn't an actual one that happened with people in it. But it is a thing where um, when the whole, when there's a puncture in the ship, the temperature rises to hundreds of degrees and then it implodes. So it happens really quick. Apparently it happens in 30 milliseconds. So, um, there really is the people's will to survive doesn't really matter if you are in that deep of sea because the pressure, that is why the heat increases so much in the tank because that, that is pressurized. That's why submarines, that is why aircraft is pressurized so that it can mitigate and handle the changes in pressure. But when you go down to the deep, deep, deep oceans, 
where we haven't even really done enough research to understand that mind you this is a private company that has been most likely using its own research um there is not as regulated in terms of um them counting and reporting to some kind of greater broader institution about um the fact that they were taking too many shit to too many trips in this submarine um this was a private company and so they were not regulated as much and therefore they didn't have to answer to anybody you know in terms of um maintenance and stuff like that so that's partly why this happened but also you know you if you read between the lines like most occultists do it's a lot of symbolism um partly one of the people who was on the aircraft was actually a descendant of um the titanic so um very interesting let me look this up real quick because i'm trying to wendy rush wife of the missing pilot is descended from a famous titanic couple wendy rush is a great great granddaughter of the retailing magnet isidore strauss and his wife ida two of the wealthiest people to die aboard the ocean liner this is from new york times submersible pilot spouse is descended from a famous titanic couple um wendy rush the wife of stockton rush the ocean gate chief executive who was piloting a submersible that disappeared Sunday during a dive to, okay, yeah. So she is the wife of the person who um, owns Ocean Gate, the CEO. Um, <clears throat> so it's just, also uh, there's like a Simpson meme where, well, the, one of the owner of the Simpsons had actually gone down to um the titanic to do a tour um multiple times um and he posted about it but it's very interesting because there of course is a simpson episode that feels like it kind of predicted this i don't know um well it was i it didn't predict it necessarily but there's just a lot in it as far as like sinking submarine and all this kind of stuff so anyway um let's see there's not too much else in here but um as i mentioned the um there was some other reasons that they were going on these deep sea dives that they wasn't telling everybody the public was not supposed to know about like this this stuff right here that i'm about to tell you right now um so apparently Ocean Gate's end game was to build cheap submarines, submersibles for oil and gas drilling. But oil and gas companies didn't want unproven technology to be doing this. The Titanic expeditions were to prove the technology um, worked. It was a way to experiment. Um also, it's a great way to raise money because you're getting these people to pay for um, these expeditions. I think each person paid like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to go to go down to um, explore the Titanic wreckage. Um, so part of the idea behind Ocean Gate was to offset the cost of deep sea research 
um, through high-end adventure tourism, exploration or mapping for the oil and gas industry, or inspection of bridge or ship holes. So this is called adventure tourism, and it's a way to monetize this process of um, proving the the capabilities of this technology. And so OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush's ambitions for the Titanic sub went beyond exploration. He said it was a gateway into a multi-billion dollar industry to harvest oil and gas from the ocean. So that's an interesting quote that stands out in the 2019 Smithsonian Magazine profile of um, OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush. He um, that is part of a quote. And then he also said, we're going to colonize the ocean long before we colonize space. (sighs) We do not need to be down there. So now we're about to go into some of the risks and challenges um, of the danger that of the dangers of deep sea oil um, exploration. We're going to go over some of the challenges. We're going to go over some of the problematic aspects of it when we think about disturbing the equilibrium of the environment, specifically of deep sea and deep ocean life. And then we're going to go into some stuff about Lokun and... um, to just get a more of a spiritual context as to why um, ancients maintained different types of boundaries when it came to our habitation on this planet. We, we ain't got permission to go everywhere. We need to stay in our place. Instead of trying to go to Mars, we need to be trying to figure out how to live sustainably, but y'all already know we living in a glitch. Y'all already know this closure happened. I mean, it's just we living in a glitch. Why are we living in these times where we're not funding systems that are going to ensure the sustainability of our life? You know what I mean? Like in two generations, them hoes are screwed. <laughs> um, it's not funny, but, you know, it's a lot of environmental calamity that we're going to have to deal with. And I think it's important that we understand the indigenous perspectives on um, these elements because it's really going to help. Like the earth is angry. And this deep sea exploration, it just does not feel right in my spirit. Okay, so let's go through and talk about some of the dangers of deep sea oil exploration. So deep sea oil exploration happens in various parts of the world, but it happens through drilling that extracts oil and um, and gas reserves from the bottoms of the ocean floor. And it has to be over 500 feet below. And so while it does have its benefits, quote unquote, for, um, for accessing untapped energy resources, it also presents a lot of risks and challenges. So deep sea drilling operations are technically complex and they require like a lot equipment and expertise and the process of drilling through several layers of rock sediment and water um, to reach these oil reservoirs is is located beneath the seabed and it creates a lot of pressure and temperature that disturbs um, the wildlife that is there 
Um, and so oil spills, y'all know about the BP oil spill that happened off the coast of Mississippi. Still eating that oily ass crawfish. It's good though. I definitely ate it when I was in New Orleans. So, but um, I digress. Oil spills can harm marine ec- ecosystems, including fish, coral reefs, seabirds, and other wildlife. Additionally, the exploration and extraction of oil from deep sea reservoirs can cause disturbances to the seafloor and surrounding habitats. So the use of seismic surveys to identify oil reserves may also create loud noises that disturb marine life, noise pollution, hashtag noise pollution. And also the extraction process itself really releases a lot of harmful chemicals um into the ocean and so i'm just letting y'all know the earth is pissed period you know what i mean like we trying to build all this technology and i mean i do think they're going to keep on trying to build the technology because look at where we live they're they they are desperate for finding more resources to continue this system that this energy system that just doesn't work you know what i mean like and there are so many different patents for um unlimited energy um for that people have invented in order to tap into unlimited energy apparently tesla was working with extraterrestrials and found out how to tap into the energy grid so it's very interesting um that all of this happens you know so um yeah i don't know it's just very interesting that we are continuing to do this and i mean this is this feels like it's kind of like a program of of colonizers because a lot of the indigenous spirituality a lot of ways that indigenous people understand spirituality sorry there are some people being kind of loud um the ways that indigenous people understand spirituality is in it's in a it's in a relationship with the environment and so this feels like a whole like it feels like a program you know like there's different computer programs it's like we're stuck in this glitch um overall that's been going on for like since for a long time because this is feels like it's the the economic setup for laissez-faire capitalism and hyper-capitalism has been in the making for hundreds of years and so there's just so much momentum behind this but it's like this is not sustainable and this um this thing that happened with the submarine is just one issue but one of the main reasons i wanted to talk about this is because water is going to be one of the main issues that we have to deal with in terms of um precious resources the water um i mean we there is a lot of water on the planet duh but that is mostly seawater there isn't really as much drinking water um to sustain everybody in the world there's a lot of water wars that are going on and you if you look at the killing of a lot of indigenous groups in south america um this is for um for water this is for land for monoculture to just grow one kind of crop 
to just sell to everybody, to just, you know, to grow meat, to grow grass for meat, for cows to eat. But this is, this is just not really sustainable. And water is definitely one of those, um, one of those resources that we're really going to have to be, there's going to be a lot of war around it um a lot of conflict but um we gotta we gotta wait raise awareness of it and be aware of it now but definitely understanding more about olokun um and just understanding of water spirits um it helps me understand why we need to guard the water and why um this kind of like colonization of the sea is just not it's it's just not how it needs to be. If you look at different kinds of um, water spirits besides Olokun, I'm going to go through and look at some of them, but they, um, you can ask them to protect the sea people, but the, you don't want to make them mad because they can cause tsunamis. They can cause a lot, but also um, they are they exist within the realms of mysteries. Some things are just meant to remain mysteries, um, specifically certain kinds of energies that are on this planet earth. Like we have only explored, we've explored less than 10% of the whole ocean. Like the map that we see is not really the extent of how large the ocean is. We, we can't even perceive it. It's so large. Um, <clears throat> it's too big. It's too wild. It's too strong. <laughs> Sorry, I have to think. Of, I have to say that. Um, got a big ego. Anyway, um, <laughs> such a huge ego, but I love his big ego. Anyway, um, the ocean is really big. Um, so let's think about Olokun. Olokun is an Arisha of the Yoruba tradition who holds significance um, in terms of our understanding of the realms of the deep sea, riches, and spiritual mysteries. Olokun is in, in different in different traditions, in different, um, different traditions of Santeria, Lukumi, Ifa. Um, Olokun is a man, is a woman, is both man and woman at the same time. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that their um, gender is perceived. And actually, when, whenever I got my hand of Ifa, Olokun was like one of my main Arishas. Very deep. Um, besides Olokun, there are other um, spirits. And so let's let's go through some of these um gods and deities and think about the ways they relate to Olokun. So there's Tiamat in Mesopotamian mythology. Tiamat is a primordial goddess representing the salt water and ocean and chaos. She is often de depicted as a giant sea serpent or dragon. Poseidon and Neptune in Greek and Roman mythology, Poseidon um, also known as Neptune in Roman mythology, is the god of the sea and other waters. He is associated with the vast depths of the ocean and is often depicted with a trident. Kanaloa in Hawaiian mythology, Kanaloa is a god associated with the ocean and the underworld. He is often depicted as a giant octopus 
or squid and represents mystery, hidden knowledge, and the power of the deep sea, very similar to Olokun. In Inuit mythology, Setna is a sea goddess who resides at the bottom of the ocean. She is associated with marine life and is known as the mother of all of the sea creatures. In Canaanite mythology, Yam is a god who personifies the primordial ocean and chaos. He is often depicted as a sea monster or a serpent and is associated with the untamed and mysterious aspects of the sea. Mazu. In Chinese mythology, Mazu is a goddess who protects fishermen and sailors. Um... And she is associated with the sea and is believed to have the ability to calm storms and guide ships safely through treacherous waters. So, um, according to a lot of these different descriptions, we can see that a lot of different um, cultures this is a way that people created meaning. This is a way that groups processed um, and understood their experience of a particular form of reality. Um, and this is also how I think a lot of ancients received messages from the elements about the environment, about how they needed to be in relationship with the environment, about different aspects of the environment that they just didn't really need to explore too much. There's a... Um, a thing in like in um Ifa where um in Lukumi in the quote unquote new world El Mundo Nuevo they don't really work with Olokun as much in a similar way as they do in Nigeria because a lot of people get drowned. Olokun be like, Come back, come hither which is a huge thing, you know, with water spirits. They will draw you back down. You don't really want to summon any water spirits and just get into the water. You kind of want you want to just throw your stuff at them. Even in the Mississippi River, I don't. I, when I was in New Orleans, I don't. I don't just get in the water like that because the water will draw you. You say you want to be close to the spirits. They will bring you close. As in, you will be across the veil. You will be dead. <laughs> hey, it's she. Um, anyway, um, Olokun is an Arisha of the Yoruba tradition and is associated with both the physical and metaphysical realms and embodies the enigma and power that lies beneath the surface. Um, the fluidity in Olokun's gender representation allows for a broader understanding of Olokun's essence, emphasizing the divine presence beyond human constructs. So there are, are a lot of um, patakis, and these are sacred stories that are about um, Orishas. And so um, in one of them, Olokun... 
um, was one of the gods that began shaping the earth, and Olokun was tasked with forming the deep seas and the oceans. And through the sacred act, Olokun acquired immense power and dominion over the waters, becoming a guardian and keeper of its mysteries. And if you look at the Bible, it's very interesting because there is a time before light. You know, God said, let there be light, and there was light. But that also infers that there was a time before the light was there. And that time, in many ways, is Olokun's domain. A lot of the water, if you think about the hydrogen and oxygen atoms that form water molecules, these have been around forever. They've been around since, like, almost the inception of the universe. Um, whenever these molecules started to bond, some of this, these molecules are older than the sun. So that's important to think about. You know, this is a very ancient kind of, um, energy. We are, we are made of water. Water is very deep, very deep, very important to understanding, the, the dynamics of this reality. Water conducts electricity. Water conducts energy. Water makes things fluid, you know? So it's very um, important that we understand water is, water is a mystery. Um, in terms of Olokun, the ocean is a vast reservoir. It's a vast reservoir of resources and treasures, and Olokun is considered the custodian of these bountiful gifts. So followers of Olokun seek, often seek blessings from this deity to manifest wealth, financial stability, and prosperity in their lives. So definitely Olokun represents the depths of our inner psyche. And so this is, I wanted to talk about Olokun because this is going to be something that we really have to think about. And like, they be talking about Poseidon getting mad and Olokun getting mad. Like whenever they're doing this deep sea ocean drilling, it can cause earthquakes to happen. So, Adi Kane, it's very interesting that all this is happening during cancer season. Um, Very interesting stuff, but. I think that is all that I wanted to talk about, really. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Please, 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 please share this podcast. Please share this with your people. Share it with all of your family that would be interested. Um, go subscribe to my mailing list. Um, also, if you're interested in, I guess, understanding more about water spheres look at lake lanier lake l-a-k-e-l-a-n-i-e-r very interesting shit with that definitely go check that out it's some very interesting stuff but this is very important for us to think about um and yeah let me know what you think we leave me a review Leave me a positive review. Let me know what you think. Leave it on iTunes. Um, and until we meet again, until I come back, peace and blessings. Love y'all.